Let's give Jesus a great big hand this morning. So glad you're here. Come on. Are you excited about Jesus today? I sure am. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Amen. So glad you're here, Bridge City Church. Come on, one church, four locations, and let's welcome everybody online. Can you give them a big hand this morning? Come on. So excited to have you with us today. Here we are. We just had a great, great weekend. We entitled this weekend Missions, like a Pittsburgh missions trip. And so I want to warn you, I'm a little bit dangerous. Whenever you go on a missions trip, whenever you do something 24-7 from God, you get a little dangerous, and that defines me right now. And I'm okay with that. I hope you're okay with that. Y'all okay with that? Yes. How many of you are a little nervous, but you're okay? Come on. Hey, I was just, I was thinking a lot uh, uh, this weekend as we were out in the streets, 77 people from Bridge City Church signed up and went out and uh, were distributing food to people in need, praying for people, doing all kinds of things all over the city. And it was just so, so awesome. And I was just thinking a lot about the before Jesus me. Now, those of you that have been followers of Jesus for a while, I don't know if you ever think about the before Jesus you, or maybe some of you that scares you too much. But listen, I was just thinking about, about me, and, and it, was, it was 41 years ago, right this month in June, that I was at the Monroeville Mall. And I was in my teens at that time. A friend of mine, he needed to go to get fitted for a suit. And we went to Monroeville Mall. He needed to go. I remember his mom kept saying, you need to stop there. You need to stop there. And so there was three of us. And we went into the suit store. They fitted him. They got, got him what he needed. And then the person selling the suits, he said, hey, can I talk to you, you guys for a couple minutes? And we sat down right there in the middle of the store. And he he shared the truth about Jesus Christ with, with, with us. And he, he just shared. And, and I remember sitting there at 15 years old. I remember leaving there going, something he's talking about is right. Like something he's saying is, is just right, but I couldn't quite figure it out. See, I, I was listening. I was around Christianity, but I wasn't a follower of Jesus that time. I believed in God, but I was pretty purposeless 15-year-old. I was just selfish, purposelessness. I was living what 15-year-olds live for. Can I have an amen? Yeah, and so that's what I was doing. But then two months later in August, two adults, which I actually don't even remember their names, took 12 teens. They took us to a Jesus festival where there's tens of thousands of people. And, and, they, and there's, there was Christian bands and people preaching. And I remember it was there that I met Jesus in a personal way. And that, come on, that was 40, that was 41 years ago, and I'm still living that out right now. Come on, I'm excited about that. See, see, something happened when I met Jesus that, that I got a new perspective. It was no longer what I had to do for him, because up to that point, I thought to be a follower of Jesus, it was all about rules and regulations, and you had to say the right thing and do the right thing, and if you didn't, God was going to get you. Have you ever thought about God that way? Anybody grow up like that? Come on. And, and God was going to get you, but I realized it was no longer what I was going to do for God to make him happy, that God was already happy because he sent Jesus to die for me, and my life changed. As a matter of fact, it was a couple months after that. Um, it was a couple months after I ran into that person in the, in the, that, that shared with me in the mall. I said, I said man, I, I, I met Jesus. And he said, that's great. It was actually 
two years later that I met him, and he said, hey, there's a church starting that I think you'd, you'd really be interested in. And he, he introduced me to what was then was Word and Worship Church. And um, actually, it was Greater Pittsburgh Word and Worship Fellowship was the full name. And it was this church that you're a part of right now. And I, and I came, and I've been a part of her since. And I just want to tell you that I didn't just get into a self-improvement plan. I didn't just get into a, like, Jesus is going to help me be a better me. Jesus transformed my life, and he drafted me, and I am in the Lord's army, yes, sir. And I've been a part of his, his mission ever since. See, it was no longer a come-and-go thing, man. I just jumped all in. And it wasn't that, that isn't what made me be a pastor. The call of God actually led me to do that. But, but what would it look like if you and I and all of us lived as missionaries for Jesus? What if we all lived our life on purpose and on mission? And I want to tell you right now, I don't know where your relationship is with God right now, but you can live a purposeful life. You can live a life on mission. It doesn't matter if you're a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker. God can use you. Can somebody say amen? amen. Come on, he can. He's into using ordinary, everyday people. Come on, who qualifies? Come on, I qualify, and that's what kind of people that God can use. Come on, I'm so excited here. We're going to jump into a well-known verse, John 3.16. John 3.16, and, and as you're recalibrating to that verse, I just want to say it's so awesome to be here with Pastor Nick and the whole crew from White Oak. Thanks for being so great. I just love hearing what God's doing here, and it's so, so good to be with you right now. Come on, God's mission. We are a people on mission. And, and, and out of all the verses that I could pick out of the whole Bible, I think of John 3.16 as being one of the key ones to talk about the mission. If you want to understand what God's purpose is, not only what God's purpose with Jesus, but what God's purpose for your life, it's found right here. In John 3.16, so we're going to say this out loud together. Everybody, red letters, words of Jesus, John 3.16. Are you ready to say this out loud? Here we go. For this... Yeah, come on, isn't that a good verse? Yeah. Come on, see, when that verse becomes old and it's like, oh, it's just John 3, 16. You've got to meet Jesus again. Because that verse never gets old. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And most of us stop there. Most of us say, yeah, Jesus, you know, God sent Jesus. Jesus is love, right? God's love. It's cool. But most of us stop there and miss the rest of the verse. That everyone, who? Everyone. Who? Everyone. everyone. And actually it says, in many translations it says, whosoever. I'm so glad I'm a whosoever. Right. I'm a whosoever. I whosoever believed in Jesus. Come on. See, I acknowledged him, but I transferred my trust to him. That's faith. I was completely persuaded. See, I heard about him, and then I completely transferred my faith to him. And then I was completely persuaded. I had, a, I had a surrendering experience to God where he became the forgiver of my past and the leader to my future. And it gets better. Yeah, it gets better. Because I am not going to perish. I'm not going to spend forever in hell. 
I'm really excited about that because at Bridge City Church, we believe in a real heaven and a real hell. They're not just figurative places, okay? They're not figurative, they're real. There's a real heaven and a real hell, and if you believe that, it's a game changer. It changes everything. And so I believe in him, so I'm not going to perish. Many people stop there, but I get everlasting life, and I'm not waiting until heaven to get everlasting life. I'm going to get me some everlasting life right here, right now. Come on, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about this is the mission that God has. And this is what I want to live out. And this is why God put our church on this planet is to live this verse out. That God's so loved and he still changes people. And he's, and, 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 and he's still doing a great work. Are you excited about that? Yes. So I want to take you to Matthew 16. And I want to walk through some verses that Jesus conversed with his followers. How many followers of Jesus do we have here today? Any followers of Jesus? I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not a follower of, uh, of good routines. I'm, I listen, I'm following him. I'm not just a follower of good sayings. I'm a follower of Jesus. Amen. When he says it, I believe it. That settles it. Come on, somebody. Mm-hmm. That's right. Are you with me now? And so here, Jesus is having, he's, he, he's trying to get his followers to understand some things. And in Matthew 16, verse 21, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that, they would, that he would suffer, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of religious laws and that he would be killed. But on the third day, he would, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside. Peter took Jesus aside. And he, and, and he began to reprimand him. Many translations say rebuke him. The tense, is, the tense of this verb is like, he began to like set it straight with Jesus. Could you imagine setting Jesus straight? Come on, if you've ever tried, you need to stop right now. Don't do that. Okay, yes, yeah, not good. That's not good. And he said, heaven forbid, he said, this will never happen to you. And I believe that the reason is Peter, was, he heard him say he's going to suffer terrible things. He's, he, he's, they're they're going to kill him. They're going to do all these mean things to him. And he was focused on that. But he missed something. He missed there's a resurrection of the dead. See, many of us here oh, there's a cost, and oh, we need to do something for Jesus, and oh, he, Jesus wants something from us. But we miss the whole resurrection of the dead. We miss the good stuff. Right. Church, this is the good stuff. Right. We get to have joy, and we get to have peace in the midst of a crazy, crazy world. Yeah. Do you live in the same world I live in? I don't know if you know this or not. It's crazy out there. Yeah. And do you know what I would do if I wasn't saved? I'd get saved. That's what I would do right now. <laughs> I'm telling you that. I would get saved. I'd get me some Jesus is what I would do. Come on, who's with me? I'm telling you, that's what I would do. That's what I would, I would run. And so Jesus begins, or Peter begins to rebuke Jesus. But it goes on in the next verse in 23. He hits the next verse here. And Jesus turned to Peter and he said, hey, get away from me, Satan. Now, when Jesus refers to you as Satan, it's not good. I'm not, a bit, I'm, not, I'm not a real deep teacher, but I know it's not good. Okay, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things from merely a human point of view, not from God. Oh, here it is, right here. 
One of the reasons we, we do not see the mission of God and we do not see things, see ourselves as missionaries and see what God's doing is because we're looking at things from a human perspective rather than a God perspective. This week, I don't know what it is you're going to go through, but listen, you're going to go through something and I want you to remember this moment. I want you to stop. When, when you get a flat tire, when the boss asks you to work late, when something doesn't work out, I want you to stop and say, God, what's your perspective? If you will stop in that moment and say, God, what is your perspective? It's there that he meets you. It's there that he directs you. It's there that he guides you. Are you with me? We need a God perspective because this human perspective isn't working. Now, I don't believe anybody, including Peter in this text, and nobody wakes up and one day says, you know what? I was just thinking, maybe I'll speak on behalf of Satan today. Nobody wakes up and says, you know, I was just thinking, maybe, maybe I'll be a dangerous trap for Jesus and his people today. I was just thinking about this. Does anybody ever think that way? No. But all of us can think that way when we settle into bad mindsets, when we settle into human perspective, when we settle into uh, church should be about me and helping me and helping me feel good about me. And Jesus should exist to make my life easier. Let's read on in verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. It was really clear. Jesus is like, you want to be my follower? This is what it's going to take here. In verse 25, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you profit? What do you profit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your own soul? Listen to me. Many people go their whole entire lives. Many people even sit in church. They do the, they do the church thing. But they've been church, but they've never been jesus we got to be jesus and churched. We need both of them. And Jesus brings me to a place where I get to the end of me, and with the end of me, I find him. That's what part of the mission is. Everything stops because we're part of the mission. Are you with me? When I went to nursing school years, and years ago, it was a big deal. And when I went to nursing school, like everything stops. It was a 22-month program. It was pretty intense. It consumed my life because I was so afraid of failing. I'm being honest. I was just afraid. I was just so afraid of failing, flunking out. And I'm going to tell you, I was just like, I got to get through this. And so, so listen, everything stopped, um, and everything went towards that mission. It was here in this moment of my life. A very serious thing happened to me. I, I got introduced to caffeine. Yeah, I learned all about caffeine when I went to nursing school. Yeah, you're in the health profession, and it's like it, produ it produced a caffeine addict, I'm telling you. Since then, I've, I've had to break it. Come on. But, but everything stopped. I learned how to live all week long on three boxes of macaroni and cheese and two cans of tuna fish. That was no problem. When I ran out of money, I'd go, to, I'd go and I'd work all night long. I'd work, I'd work nights and I'd go to school all day. Everything stopped because I had a mission in my life. I didn't just want a diploma. I wanted a job where I could put into practice what I was learning. But many of us, we don't see what we're doing here as a mission. It's just like an add-on. 
See, when you go to school like that, it's not an add-on. It is your life. And yeah, I was, I was still doing life. I still, had to, I still had to make money, still had to pay bills, I still had to study, I had to do all those things, but I had, did it with a mission in mind. I knew what I was doing, I knew who I was serving. Are you with me now? Amen. See, but that's what it is, and that's what he's saying here. There's a whole life that we get to live, but you gotta, if you're going to live it on mission, we got to take it serious and not see things through a human perspective, but from a God perspective. And if you take nothing with you today, I want you this week, and this is the big deal, I just want you to see everything that we do here at Bridge City Church through the perspective of this is why we do it. We, listen, we, listen, this is about the mission of God. We don't even have a mission statement. God's church, God's mission has a church. Are you with me? His mission has us. It has us. This is what we do. We exist so that as many people as possible will begin a relationship with God the Father and become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Let me oversimplify it for you. We exist, and God put this church on this planet to make heaven bigger and hell smaller. See, see, see but we, 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 we lose sight of all this, right? We just, it just becomes something, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I've heard that, oh, it's cool. Yeah, but, like, we lose sight of it. And a life without mission becomes purposelessness. It, listen, let me, over, let me oversimplify it here. When we, when we forget the mission of God, stupid things matter. Right. In the absence of a mission, stupid things matter. And it's true. Like, we did this missions trip the last couple days, and, and there were 77 people all together, and, 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 like, we all had to wear the same T-shirt. Now, for some people, it's like, oh, that settles it. I'll never do a missions trip because I'm not wearing the same T-shirt. It's like, well, you're in a mission. It doesn't matter. Not once. We didn't stop everybody and say, do you like the color? Do you like, is, it, is it in your color palette? I don't even know what that means. I have no clue what that means. You know, somebody mentioned that to me. I said, I, I, I have no frame of reference. And, 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 and it's like, we're going to wear the same shirt. And then when you're done sweating in it all day long, working, and then they say, okay, now we get to wear the same shirt tomorrow. Like, are we allowed to wash it? No, you're on a missions trip. You don't wash shirts on it. I washed mine. <laughs> and the people on my team were very grateful. I, I eat peanut butter and jelly once a year. It's every year at the Pittsburgh Mission Strip. No honey, no extra butter, just peanut butter and jelly. It's like, that's what's for lunch. It's like, okay, that's what we're going to eat. Why? Because we were on a mission. It was like, oh, no, can I, can I stop at Hello Bistro and get a salad? No, you're on a mission. You eat peanut butter and jelly or you go hungry, you fast. That's the options. Peanut butter and jelly fasting. I like peanut butter and jelly. Are you with me? You see, when you see, stupid things matter when you're not on mission. Stupid things, and this happens in all of our life. Well, well, you know, I don't like the I don't like the start time for church. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's stop everything. No, think about this. I don't like the start times. It's just not convenient. No, I'm serious. Like, I'm like, I wish it was colder in here. I wish it was warmer in here. 
Listen, this is nothing. You should go to Liberia and do three-hour, four-hour church services with no air conditioning. It's 100 degrees. You're under a tin roof. And if you fall asleep, they smack you with a switch. And if your phone goes off during church, you have to pay a fine. No, I'm serious. I don't like that. Nobody's texting you up there and said, do you like this? this is, no, you don't get a vote. Why? Because we're on mission. And we're not going to allow, at Bridge City Church, we are not going to allow stupid things to matter. Are you with me? Yes. How many of you, that hurts, but, oh, man, mm. Come on, mm, mm. Hmm. Amen. Hmm. No, but see, that's what happens. But we can't allow it to go there because we forget that it's not about us. Come on, and and we're so wrapped up in what we're wrapped up in. Am I right? We do. We all get it. I get it. I'm even going to the mission trip this last week. It was like, this weekend, it was like, hey, God. This is my conversation with God. I'm being honest with you. It's like, hey, God, like, you know if I do this mission thing, I'm going to have to give up three days of tennis. I'm like bargaining with God over tennis. It's like, I hear God up in heaven like, are you serious? This is how God speaks to me. Are you serious? And I'm like, well, you could at least make it rain a little. It's like, you know, this is what we do. Am I right? We do this with God. And, and we play games. But, but like we forget that in the world right now, there's such a thing as people being martyred for their faith while we're sitting here having life pretty good. No, I want to give you some statistics. And I, want you, I, I, I want to demonstrate something to you. In, in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus said that you would be my witnesses, that word witness is the root word for martyr. And, and these the stats for, for martyrs here, according to the Center for the Study of Global Christianity, check this out. And these are very conservative numbers. These are very conservative for what's out there. We took the lowest number, not the highest. I wasn't trying to get you to like, oh, get you emotional. I'm trying to show you something. Do you know that, that 90,000 people a year die because of their faith? They get, they get martyred. Think about that. 90,000? Where do we see that on the news? Where do we hear about that? Why do, I mean, the pandemic, I mean, every time, you know, there's a spike, there's five more cases, there's six more cases, everybody's so nervous. Why don't we get, why don't we get consumed about the right thing? In 246 people a day are martyred for Jesus Christ. Do you realize that, and this is, I don't know the exact average off the top of my head, but roughly the amount of people that are here right now in this worship experience, plus the ones that were here earlier, to, earlier that the one earlier at nine, if you add them up together, it's about 250. Think about that. That's, that's the amount of people that were here right now and the amount of people that were here earlier is right around 250 people gone every day. No, look around. It starts to take on a different perspective. In the amount of time that you're here, roughly about 90 minutes from the time you got here and you got your coffee and afterwards you hang out and you, you, know, you chat and all, that, that's 15 people were put to death 
for their faith. No, 15 people were martyred. And, 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 and we're trying to make it a big deal to God over all this stuff that's so silly and doesn't matter. We think suffering is when the hairdryer breaks. Or we got a flat tire. Oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. During the pandemic, we were suffering for Jesus. We weren't suffering from, for Jesus. That wasn't suffering. That was showing us what we were really made of. No, no, that's, you got to kid me. That was showing us what we were made of. Are you with me? But we, we, we ascribe all this other stuff to it. And it's not suffering here. And in 15 people a day, that's a problem. When you became a follower of Jesus in the, in, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, in the New Testament, when you became a follower of Jesus, you knew if you confessed Jesus Christ, the forgiver of my past, the leader to my future, I am a follower of Jesus, you knew that was most likely going to cost you your life. Oh, it would be like coming to a, coming to here and saying, "Listen, we're just so thankful you're here today. Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life." And I tell you what, if you become a follower of Jesus, you can you can die with us. No, seriously, listen to me. That's really what it would be like. It's like, come on, just come up here if you want to become a follower. I mean, we have those who are going to be stoned to death, those who will be burned to death, those who will be chastised and kicked out of your family and never be allowed to work again. Come on, who wants to follow Jesus? No, seriously, we don't think of it that way, do we? You know why? Because we're, we're, like, we're, we're soft. We, we've lost our edge. We're just not thinking about the mission. We don't think about there's a real heaven and a real hell because we just get wrapped up in our world. Are you like me? Come on. Come on, are you, are you like me? It happens all the time. And we think we're sacrificing for Jesus when we're really not. Um, my wife, Natalie, is here with me. We have five, five kids, uh, all in their 20s. I don't know if you're, you're cheering, like, you know, like, God bless those kids. Hallelujah. You're like, yeah. Like, yeah. And, uh, and, and they live to talk about it, and we live to talk about it, too. Come on. And uh, they're all older, in their 20s and up. And um, at some point, all of their lives, all five kids, they all needed braces at one time. Not at one time, but like at some point in their life, they all needed braces. Thank God it wasn't all at one time. Now, trust me, we got second opinions. I tallied up one time. I said, well, how much did we really spend on braces? And actually, we got, we got a discount. I don't know if it was like, you know, buy four, get one free. I don't know what it was, man. We got some kind of, the little one. But we spent just under $25,000 for our kids' teeth that are someday going to be buried in a grave somewhere. Now, I want you to catch this. But you know what? We never thought twice. That's just what you do. I mean, I knew someday they were going to graduate, and they were going to have to have graduation pictures, and I wanted them teeth straight. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, when they got, those, they got those pictures, I was like, you better smile. I want to see every one of them teeth in every picture. Not a half a smile either. I knew they'd get married someday, and I'm like, you better smile. Smile real big. You're happy today. 
That's just even before I thought it might be like Facebook or Instagram, their pictures would be there. Listen, we, we were committed to them having straight teeth. And so we never questioned. We did whatever we had to do because those kids were going to get braces. Right? right? But, you know, then we come to church and it's like, oh, you mean it's $350 to go to Buffalo for a week? I, I can't do that. It's $25 to go to the Pittsburgh Mission Strip. I don't have $25. No, you got $25. You're just choosing to spend it the way you want to spend it because you lost track of eternity. We lose track of what matters because we're so temporally minded, we forget there's a real heaven and a real hell. And so we begin to live for today and we forget about tomorrow. Are you with me? Why don't we flip the script and say this matters to God? So we're... we're we're going to be all in. Are you with me? This is a new perspective. Are you receiving a new perspective this morning? How many of you are getting a little, a little you're recalibrating. How many of you are recalibrating right now? How many of you recalibrate? If you, don't, if you say no, we're going to turn off the air. I'm telling you right now, we're going to turn off the air. Yeah, no, no, I'm just messing with you. Come on. Like, like we miss it, and we just miss that love relationship with Jesus. And in Matthew 13, in Matthew 13, there's these two stories that Jesus tells. And red letters, red letters are Jesus' words. And, and some people say that this is what Jesus did for us. I personally believe this is a parable. It's a story that talks about when we meet Jesus and we really experience him. And so when we really experience him, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned. What did he sell? Everything. He sold it all. And he said, man, i got to get enough money to buy this field. Listen, this, this, is, this is my life, and this is, what, this is where Jesus wants us to go back to to see our lives on mission. I just love him so much. It, it's not about the money. It's not about the cost. It's about the mission. It's about that. It's how much is a soul worth? How much is a soul worth? Is it worth me, you know, being a little inconvenience for a moment? Come on. And then he goes on in, in, in Matthew 13. He says, okay, there, there's, this, there's a merchant that finds a great pearl of great price. And, and, he, and, he's, and he discovered great value, and he sold what? He sold everything. What did he sell? Because he wanted to own it, and that's Jesus. I just want him again. I just want to go back to that love relationship with Jesus Christ, that he matters, and that people matter. That's what it means to deny myself. It means that I'm going to surrender what I want because of what other people that are bound for hell, that matters. That matters. It matters. And I'm not talking about a huge change. I'm talking about just making a little change in our perspective. I, um, I enjoy playing tennis, and I've been having a really horrible year playing tennis. It's just been bad. I've been losing a lot. I've been too defensive-minded. I haven't been offensive enough. And I says, okay, I've takes it till I can't takes it no more. I says, I'm going to get me some help. And so I, I texted somebody. I says, I need help. They said, I can meet you here a certain day. And I went to a, a, a coach. I said, can you, can you coach me? And he says, what do you want to do? I says, I want to win. <laughs> he goes, no, well, what do you want to do? I says, I want to, I want to win. I want to hit the ball, and I want to win. 
And he goes, okay, well, tell me what's the problem is. I says, I'm not being offensive-minded. I'm being defensive-minded. And he says, okay. He looked right at me. This is, this is like one minute into it. One, 90 seconds, he goes, okay, well, you have to change everything about the way you play. I'm like, what? I'm like, I want my $30 back. That's what I want right now. I'm like, see, I just wanted him to make me a better me. I didn't want to go back and get transformed. And many of us come to God and we come to moments like this and we just want to be a better us. I just want to be a better me. I don't want to relearn how to do something. I don't want to relearn a different perspective. He said, so the first thing he says, he says, you're holding the racket wrong. I've been playing for seven years. I've been holding the racket wrong for seven years. I'm not proud of that. And it's costing me a lot of money to unlearn it. And so everything he was telling me to do, he's like, okay, you got to hold this way. you got to do this. He goes, he goes, you can do this. He says, but you're just going to have to put it into practice every day. And I'm like, don't you have just like a pill I could take? And it turns me into like what I need. Like, that'd be a lot easier, right? And then he goes, okay, now let's do this. He goes, okay, now you got to change the way you hold the racket here. And change. Do you know what, know what God's saying to you right now? You know what God's saying to you right now? He's not asking you for, to revamp everything. He's just asking you to hold the racket different. He's asking you to change your perspective. We need to see what matters to God. We've got to go back to that love relationship and say that, listen, I'm not going to see things through a human perspective. I just want to see people. I want to see this church. I want to see what we do through a, through a, a godly perspective. Are you with me? What would it look like if we were a life-saving station? What would it look like if we, right here at Bridge City Church, were a life-saving station designed and created for people who were lost at sea to be saved? Let's take a look together. On a dangerous sea coast notorious for shipwrecks, there was a crude little life-saving station. Actually, it was merely a hut with only one boat, but the few members kept a constant watch over the turbulent sea. With little thought for themselves, they would go out day and night tirelessly searching for those in danger as well as the lost. Many lives were saved by this brave band who faithfully worked as a team in and out of the life-saving station. By and by, it became a famous place. Some of those who had been saved, as well as others along the seacoast, wanted to become associated with this little station. They were willing to give their time, energy and money in support of its objectives. New boats were purchased, new crews were trained. The station, once obscure and crude and virtually insignificant, began to grow. Some of its members were unhappy the hut was so unattractive and poorly equipped. They felt a more comfortable place should be provided. Emergency cots were replaced with lovely furniture. Rough handmade equipment was discarded and sophisticated, classy systems were installed. The huts, of course, had to be torn down to make room for all the additional equipment, furniture and systems. By the time of its completion, the life-saving station had become a popular gathering place and its objectives had begun to shift. It was now used as a sort of clubhouse, an attractive building for public gathering. Saving lives, feeding the hungry, strengthening the fearful and calming the disturbed rarely occurred. Fewer members were interested in braving the sea on life-saving missions, so they hired professional lifeboat crews to do this work. The original goal of the station wasn't altogether forgotten, however. Life-saving motifs still prevailed in the club's decorations. 
There was a liturgical lifeboat preserved in the room of sweet memories with soft, indirect lighting, which helped hide the layer of dust upon the once used vessel. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the boat crews brought in loads of cold, wet, half-drowned people. They were dirty, some terribly sick and lonely. Others were different from the majority of the club members. The beautiful new club suddenly became messy and cluttered. A special committee saw to it that a shower house was immediately built outside, away from the club, so victims of the shipwreck could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting there were strong words and angry feelings, which resulted in a division among the members. Most of the people wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities and all involvements with shipwreck victims. As you'd expect, some still insisted on saving lives, that this was their primary objective, that their only reason for existence was ministering to anyone needing help regardless of their club's beauty or size or decorations. They were voted down and told if they wanted to save the lives of various kinds of people who were shipwrecked in those waters, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast. They did. As the years passed, the new station experienced the same old changes. It evolved into another club, and yet another life-saving station was begun. History repeated itself. And if you visit that coast today, you'll find a large number of exclusive, impressive clubs along the shoreline owned and operated by slick professionals who have lost all involvement with the saving of lives. Shipwrecks still occur in those waters, but now most of the victims are not saved. Every day they drown at sea, and so few others seem to care. So very few. So few really care. I wish I could tell you I care all the time. I don't. I get wrapped up in me. As a matter of fact, nobody likes me more than me. And uh, in that little parable that you heard, I hope you caught that's talking about like Jesus' church. It's supposed to be rescuing people lost at sea and we get into our club so there's three types of people mentioned in that story there's the rescue teams and there's the people in the club and there's people lost at sea and we can get all wrapped up in us or we can get consumed with the people lost at sea I was one of those people lost at sea. And I never want to forget that a purposeless, selfish 15-year-old prayed a prayer. And for God so loved the world, he says, if you believe in me, you'll never have to perish, but you can have everlasting life, and you can have it now. And I'm just so thankful for that. I never want to forget that. And I don't want you to forget it. And I want to stay on mission. How about you? I want to stay on mission. And I want our church to stay on mission. And in Matthew 9, 35, Jesus was traveling through all the towns and villages of that area. He was teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. 
and he healed every kind of disease and illness. But when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. And I'm asking God for the comp- his compassion to be in you right now, to, to rekindle, to renew that compassion. Who here needs that compassion renewed today? I do. But it starts by saying, I need that renewed. I need that, and I need that compassion renewed in my life. How about you? I need a new perspective. I don't want to change that. I don't want to get wrapped up in the cost. I want to get wrapped up in the souls. Is anybody with me? But Jesus, when he looked at him, he said, okay. He said, because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And there are people in your sphere that, are, that don't have a shepherd. They're confused and they're lost. And they want to know what you know. And so I'm not asking you to go door to door in your neighborhood and knock on every door today. I'm not asking you to do that. Now, if you want to do that, that's cool. I'm great. But what I'm asking you to do, at the very least, go to those that are lost in the raging sea and say, there's a life-saving station that I want you to come to. Just at least go to them and say, will you come with me to this this life-saving station? Now, if you use those words, they're going to look at you like you're funny. Like, what? You'll understand when you get there, but you've got to come. Because everything we do here with kids ministry and student ministry and the, the worship team and the lights and the cameras and, 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 and the media team and, 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 and guys outside and ushers and small groups, it's all about this. But we don't see it that way. And, and so it's a new perspective because Jesus said here, he said, the harvest's great, but the workers are few. And he said, so pray to the Lord of the harvest who, who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more laborers. And if there's anybody here today that you're just saying, I don't know how to do this, but I just know I need a new perspective and I need to see my life on mission and I'd like to be a worker in Jesus's harvest. If that's you today, just stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. God, we just come to you right now, God, and we just say we want to be part of the rescue team. God, we don't want Bridge City Church to be a club. We want it to be a rescue mission. And so, God, take us back to the rescue mission, God. Take us back, Father, to that today, Lord. Come on, Father, you can do it, Lord. Every person in this room right now that's standing, God, give us a new perspective. Give us new eyesight. Lord God, let us see everything that we do in our lives, Lord God. In, in light of a real heaven and a real hell and a real Jesus that, that doesn't want anybody to go there, God. Let it be today, God. Yes, Jesus. And if you're here today and you're lost at sea, which simply means you don't have a date, a moment in time, a season, a week, you can't pinpoint that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ that you don't have a time, a moment where that began, that you don't have a time where you, where you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin for missing the mark, and now, Jesus, you be the leader of my life. That means you're lost at sea, but you came to the right place because this is why we exist. This is why God put Bridge City Church on this planet was for people like you and me. And if you don't have a day, a moment, or time, I want to offer you June 27, 2021 as a day which Jesus Christ can become the forgiver of your past and the leader into your future. And you can become a part of the mission of God. And if that's you right now in this moment, right now in this moment, I, I, can't, I can't close without offering this to you. 
If that's you and you don't have a date or time, but you'd like today to be yours, or you haven't been living right, but you know God's calling you home, I want you just to real boldly, but yet joyfully, just slip up your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me right now. Come on, just, just slip it up right where, right where you are. You can, thank you very much. Just keep it up there. Keep it up there. Thank you very much. Just keep it up there. You're not going to come up front. You're just keeping your saying, hey, God, here I am. Just keep your hand real, real loud, real high. Just keep it there. Anybody else? Anybody else in the house today? Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Very good. Thank you so much. So together, let's pray this prayer together, whether it's the first time you're doing it or all of us together. Let's all say, Father God, Forgive me. I'm a sinner. I screwed up. I've messed up. Forgive me, Jesus. Be my forgiver. And Jesus, be my leader into my future. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's give God a great big hand just thanking Him. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart, come on. Listen, if you raise your hand right there, somebody's going to come up to you and they're just going to offer to pray for you. That's all. They just want to seal the deal. And if we get your name, I'm going to pray for you. Pastor Nick and I, we're going to pray for you tomorrow. And we're going to pray that you'll take your next step with God. And this will be, the, this will be a, a new beginning for you. Come on, somebody.